Hare Krishna. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Radhakala Chandi Srimad Bhagavatam class. Today we're reading from the first canto, chapter 6. We're starting with text number 13. This chapter uh, is a wonderful section of the Bhagavatam. And um, it's entitled, A Conversation Between Narda and Vyas. Radha, Madhava, Jayakum, Jabrihi, Hari. Gopijana, Vallabha, Jayagiri, Jaya Giri Vada Bhavari Yasurnandana Prajajana Yasura Nantana Braja Janaranjana Jaya Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jaya Kunjabi Jai Radha Madhava Jai Kunjabi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Okay, so we're reading from the first canto of Chapter 6, we're beginning with text number 13. In Sanskrit, uh, it's like a verse and a half, it's six lines today. It goes, Nala Venu, Sharastanba, Kusha, Nichaka, Garvam, Gavaram, Eka, Eva, Tiato, Hum, Adarksham, Vipanamahat, Goram, Pratibaya, Karam, Valo, Luka, Shivajuram. Word for word, Nala means pipes, Venu, bamboo. Shara means pens, tamba, full of, kusha, sharp grass, kichaka, weeds, gavaram, caves, eka, alone, eva, only, atiyata, 
difficult to go through, a hum, I, a dark sham, visited, vipanam, deep forests, mahat, great, goram, fearful, pratibhaya, akaram, dangerously, viala, snakes, uluka, uluka, owls, shiva, jackals, Ajiram, playgrounds. Translation from Port by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Then I passed alone through many forests of rushes, bamboo, reeds, sharp grass, weeds, and caves, which were very difficult to go through alone. I visited deep, dark, and dangerously fearful forests, which were the play yards of snakes, owls, and jackals. Purport. It's the duty of a mendicant, a parivra jakacharya, to experience all varieties of God's creation by traveling alone through all forests, hills, towns, villages, etc., to gain faith in God and strength of mind as well as to enlighten the inhabitants with the message of God. A sannyasi is duty-bound to take all these risks without fear. And the most typical sannyasi of the present age is Lord Chaitanya, who traveled in the, in the same manner through the central Indian jungles, enlightening even the tigers, bears, snakes, deer, elephants, and many other jungle animals. In this age of Kali, sannyas is forbidden for ordinary men. One who changes his dress to make propaganda is a different man from the original ideal sannyasi. One should, however, take the vow to stop social intercourse completely and devote life exclusively to the service of the Lord. The change of dress is only a formality. Lord Chaitanya did not accept the name of a sannyasi. And in this age of Kali, the so-called sannyasi should not change their former names, following in the footsteps of Lord Chaitanya. In this age, devotional service of hearing and repeating the holy glories of the Lord is strongly recommended. And one who takes the vow of renunciation of family life need not imitate the Parivrajacharya like Narda or Lord Chaitanya, but may sit down at home, I'm sorry, but may sit down at some holy place and devote his whole time and energy to hear and repeatedly chant the holy scriptures left by great Acharyas like the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Om Gyanatmanandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshusamilya Tamjena Tazmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadandika As a profession, I'm driving a truck um, to support myself and my family and I'm continuously driving through the mountains and through the deserts and along the, the coastlines from all the way across the country, back and forth, back and forth. And I got to see many amazing creatures and beautiful places and waterfalls. 
Perhaps the most interesting of all things that I've seen, um, I saw a herd of pure white reindeer. Their bodies were entirely white. Even the horns of the males were completely white. It was really very unique to see that, about 50 of them um, in the mountains in Montana. Um, here we're seeing that Narada Muni, um, he left his, his mother, well actually his mother had passed away um, when he was just five years of age. And he lived in a Brahmin school, um, Narda, and he was completely dependent on his mother's affection. He had no one else. Um, and he had no experience of any other place but the village that they were living But his mother, um, one night, uh, she had gone out to get milk from their cow, and she was bitten by a cobra. Um, of course, it's described by the influence of the supreme will of providence or by the influence of time. Um, and his mother, she passed away. So... It's described that um, because of this event, Narada Muni, he was dragged closer to God because he had no one else in his life. And this is actually the uh, recommendation for all um, of us who practice Krishna consciousness that especially as we grow closer to death in our old age, um, we should dedicate ourselves more and more to the worship of Krishna and to, especially to spreading Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada said that that would give us a sufficient um, amount of satisfaction um, that would allow us to overcome the um, depression and the difficulty um, that we've experienced in leaving our loved ones and family members and our comfortable homes. Because when you make someone else happy by teaching them Krishna consciousness, um, when you see them genuinely satisfied and happy, then the devotee who is preaching, who's teaching Krishna consciousness to others, they experience even a greater satisfaction. And Prabhupada, he's, um, quote, you can read many quotes by Prabhupada where he's, not only recommending this, but he's stating that it's not possible to give up sense gratification without the higher experience of happiness that comes from preaching. Um, basically, when we practice sadhana ourselves or when we worship Krishna ourselves, that worship is based upon our faith and our discipline. So, faith is developed um, in two ways. One, by practicing sadhana, and two, by associating with more advanced devotees. Um, in the practice of sadhana bhakti, there are many angas or limbs, and as we continually perform these different activities, we find that Krishna reciprocates with us in the form of giving us 
um, not only a deeper understanding of ourselves and of the world and other people that we interact with, our relationships become more meaningful, but also we find that Krishna is sustaining us. Will Krishna give you everything that you want? Will Krishna make you a rich man or a famous woman? He may not. Because Krishna is not interested in prolonging our material lives. Prabhupada said that um, throughout India, the worship of Krishna is not as popular as the worship of the demigods because people feel, the Hindus feel, that they can get more sense enjoyment, they can get a better life by worshiping the demigods. Because Krishna, he's not, um, he does not desire uh, for his devotees or for anyone to prolong their life in this material world. So Krishna will only give us what we need to remain ha- happy and healthy in Krishna consciousness, in our practice, and so that we can continue on practicing Krishna consciousness. But he won't give us things that will distract us from his from getting out of the material world. So in the practice of Krishna consciousness, we have two um, aspects within our sadhana, that is faith and discipline. So our faith, of course, is dependent upon um, how much we sacrifice for Krishna. Just like... Um, I remember when I was a child, my mom had me in a class, and one of the practices of this class, it was a, a class to, um, for help, to help us develop relationships, and in this class, they'd have one of the children stand in the middle, blindfolded so they couldn't see, and then they have a circle of children standing around that person, and then you were asked to hold your hands behind your back and fall backwards without catching yourself. So by doing that, gradually you gain faith that other people will do the best for you. They'll do what's naturally what's good for you. Because the other kids will spontaneously catch you. Yes, they might tease you. They might let you fall a little bit farther than you thought. But, um, but basically, it was an exercise to help us to develop a sense of, of well-being in the association of others because generally... People want to do what's right. They want to do a good, the good. They want to be good, especially children. Children, they like to be good. They don't want to be known as bad children or naughty children. They want to be good children. So, um, discipline and faith. So this exercise it helped us. It helped me to develop faith in the other kids. That the kids were actually, they had my well-being in mind, and. This also is true in our relationship with Krishna, that when we sacrifice for Krishna, when we put ourselves in a position of depending upon Krishna, you'll find that Krishna will actually help us. He will catch us. He will give us what we need. Maybe he won't give us what we want, but he'll give us what we need. And generally, Krishna gives you something, he gives things that are even better than what you thought. (laughs) 
which is very unique um, and is a sign of Krishna's love. So faith and discipline. Um, discipline, of course, we know it's about waking up early in the morning, coming, Prabhupada recommends that um, we can test our seriousness by how willing we are to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and come to Mangalartik, how willing we are to chant our 16 rounds early in the morning, how willing we are to read every day. So we can, you know, it's not that someone has to tell us what we're doing, what we're doing, what, what, what we're doing in spiritual life, what good or bad, or what, if we're practicing spiritual life properly, we can test ourselves. But the preaching of Krishna consciousness, what's unique about that is you invoke the mercy of the Lord. We invoke the mercy of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. We invoke the a mercy of the previous acharyas. And that mercy actually picks us up to a higher platform, higher than we can achieve by our own faith and discipline. So, does that mean we have to make an all-out preaching effort? Well, in one sense, yes. But in another sense, no. What do I mean by that? Okay, what I found over the years is that, and what I see in Lord Chaitanya's example is that, yes, we can have major um, outreach programs or preaching programs, just like the Rath Yatra that's at, um, organized at Clydebourne Park. I don't know if, if the devotees are going to uh, reschedule that event, but it's a wonderful event, um, or Jamastami, or any of the big celebrations here in the temple, or even the Sunday Feast, uh, the Darshan Room program. All these things are great outreach programs, Okay. Um, but they require a tremendous effort, and not just the effort of one person, but of a group of people to organize it nicely. So, um, what's my point? Um, my point is that anyone, whoever they may, may be, um, man, woman, child, uh, professional, or um, someone that's just very simple, um, we can extend Krishna consciousness to everybody that we meet. And it's very sublime. Just like um, what I've been doing in my truck is I keep a case of books, um, usually a couple titles of books, and then everybody that I meet throughout the day, I ask them if they've heard about Krishna consciousness, if they've heard about Bhakti Yoga, do they know about Kalachanji's restaurant and palace or about Iskhan, and spark up a conversation and then I give them a book for free. Sometimes people will offer you money uh, or you can ask for a donation if you want. If you're doing full-time book distribution, Prabhupada, he wanted us to raise money. There's a beautiful quote of Prabhupada um, and he's actually quoting Srila Bhakti Saranta Saraswati and Bhakti Saranta Saraswati was saying if we have activities in the temple, um, just like Prashadam, being served in the temple or classes in the temple, we should not charge for those things. They should be free. But when we go out, we must charge. We must charge for the books. We must charge for prashadam. We must charge for our programs. Because Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, he said that otherwise people will take us cheaply. But the point that I wanted to make about meeting people and extending Krishna consciousness, see, it doesn't require a big arrangement. It all, all it requires is our willingness 
um, to make a new friend. And it's very satisfying, actually, and it's wonderful to um, spark up a friendship with someone that you've never met before. In fact, it makes your day very special, very satisfying, very happy. You know, you experience happiness and joy by doing that. And it's actually um, also very um, exciting to think that, wow, I could make some new friends today and um, share Krishna consciousness with them. So... That's what I've been doing, and I find it's just tremendous. It, it takes away all of my anxiety, all of my stress. It doesn't require me over-endeavoring or, or working or, or, or um, borrowing money or doing things beyond my means. But it's very simple to just, you know, take a minute or two or five or ten minutes, depending on um, how interested someone may be, and... Um, talk to them a little bit about Krishna consciousness throughout the day, whether it's someone at the grocery store or it's someone, uh, like for me, um, I'm speaking with truck drivers. And, uh, you know, generally, I mean, I'm so imp- surprised the people that drive trucks. Like I, I made a friend, he was a banker, um, and then he retired and started driving a truck. I meet farmers, I meet ex-military men, I meet um, couples, young couples, and... Um, you know, they're really very, very sweet um, and interesting uh, to talk to. And I share the books with them and tell them about the temple, invite them here, give them cards for the restaurant if they're traveling through here, and tell them about other programs. So um, by doing this, we invoke the Lord's mercy. So on our own, we are um, you know, limited by our faith and our discipline. But when we spend a little bit of time each day extending Krishna consciousness to others according to our means in whichever way you know is practical, then we invoke Lord Chaitanya's mercy within our life and our Krishna consciousness becomes um, so much simpler and easier and more satisfying and meaningful. Um, when you spend a little time every day extending Krishna consciousness to others, you'll find you feel very justified also in your life and in your practices of Krishna consciousness. And it's a, it's a wonderful experience. So this, um, this act of surrendering to Krishna, uh, it allows us to experience the um, happiness, the joy, the love that we are hankering for within our lives. And it makes our relationships transcendental. Um, No matter even if it's with somebody that's uh, not even at all familiar with Krishna consciousness. What's unique about spreading Krishna consciousness is that... um, Each and every one of us has an eternal relationship with Krishna. Some people know it, some people don't know it. But it it is there within the heart of every single living being. So, um, it's not that we are trying to like... um, force our religion upon someone or change their religion or, uh, you know do something to manipulate them. What we, are, um, what we are trying to invoke is that original, pure 
a consciousness that's there within each and every person. And um, people really appreciate that. Um, everybody appreciates if you can help them or if we can help one another to under, understand ourselves better, to understand our relationships better, and ultimately to understand the Supreme Lord better. So Narada Muni, um, he was put into this situation by the arrangement of the Lord. Um, he was forced, basically, into a situation that um, made him fully dependent upon Krishna. Um, I know for all of us, you know, um, the, our movement has developed to such a point where um, it's very comfortable to uh, live and practice Krishna consciousness within our communities around the world, whether it's here in Dallas or Houston or Sri Vrindavan Dam. Um, you can be, you can live here, live in a community, and practice Krishna consciousness very, um, in a very relaxed and a natural way. And that's, you know, to the credit of the devotees and um, our GBC and to Prabhupada's vision, of course. So um, there's a natural uh, relationship of appreciation that's invoked um, anytime we. Um, just take a simple step back and look around us and see how wonderful these communities are. But um, the point that I wanted to make is that um, beyond that also, each and every person we meet has this original Krishna consciousness within them. It's part of us because we are part and parcel of Krishna. So, when we associate with others, whether it's a new devotee or a senior devotee or a, uh, somebody that we've just that's being you know that we've met for the first time that has nothing at all to do um, uh, with Christ, with our movement or with Krishna consciousness, um, it gives us an opportunity to have a relationship that goes beyond the material energy, that goes beyond the t the temporary. Uh, limitations and uh, difficulties, the frustrations of um, struggling within this material world. And that's a very, very special you know, aspect of our Krishna conscious lifestyles. You see, um, to be able to relate to someone free from the limitations and the, the, the difficulties and the disappointments of material life. And, um, you know, if we sincerely do that, people are genuinely, you know, inspired by that. It's, it's natural. You know, it, it's, it's very satisfying to, you know, understand that we're not these bodies. It's very, under, it's very natural and satisfying to, you know, uh, relate to someone based on um, our spiritual our spirituality rather than just um, seeing one another as objects for sense enjoyment. So um, here, Narada Muni, not only was he um, dragged closer to Krishna 
on account of his mother's death. But he was, um, you know, knowledgeable enough. Even as a small child, he had association, good association. And he could take it as the special mercy of the Lord. See, nowadays, because of... um, the, this, this, this international culture, which is basically American culture that's been spread all over the world, um, people are becoming more and more godless in their activities. Um, of course, you know, we could say, oh, there's so many religions, but the problem is that people are not practicing the religion to the point of becoming examples. They're not, uh, we're missing the saints that made these religions viable for thousands and thousands of years. Because without a living example, just a a book of of religious formulas or some external religious rituals, um, they cannot awaken that um, inspiration, that, that original pure loving consciousness or relationship with God. That can only be done in the association of others who are advanced in spiritual life, who are saintly, who are pure, who have given up um, a desire for trying to enjoy sense objects in this material world. And, um, you know, so basically what we're left with is kind of a, a such scenario where people are, you know, they, they realize that... Um, they're not in control of everything in their lives. So many problems are coming to them which are beyond their control. And if they um, don't have scientific knowledge, if they have a poor fund of spiritual knowledge, then they reject God. So the point is that I'm making is that there, people come to this conclusion that, well, if I'm not in control, and if God is not in control, that means everything is out of control. And the result of that is that people live in a state of, fear, of fearfulness. And that's not our normal state of consciousness. That's very animalistic. And as you can see, you know, animals are so afraid um, of everything, of everyone. So um, to overcome that, we have to have this good association. Previously, if you study this history in ancient India, um, people had that association. They were raised in gurukuls. Here it says that Narada Muni, he was part of a Brahmana school. He lived in a Brahmana school. Um, his mother was serving advanced devotees, confidential advanced devotees, bhaktivedantas. And he had this opportunity to serve them and to hear from them. And um, people had spiritual masters. Um, not just um, spiritual masters that were rejecting the material world, but they were teaching people how to live in a spiritual world away within this world and how to leave this world and return back to the spiritual world or back home, back to Godhood. So that's a critical aspect of, um, of what's 
you know, we're seeing here in Narada Muni's um, life. And also these devotees, they can show that um, a person that's free from a desire to enjoy within the material world, they become free from a kind of like material fever. And um, their association is very satisfying. It's very cooling. It's very uplifting. It's said that like Lord Nityananda, his association was as um, cooling as millions and millions of moons. So um, here Narda is talking about his travels throughout the world. We can see this type of example in many uh, famous saints um, and spiritual masters. Um, and Narda, you know, he was seeing um, men's activities, basically. He was seeing agriculture. He was seeing farming and mining, industries, gardening. And um, basically everything was on this, a similar scale as it is today. You know, sometimes people, they reject our scriptures or they reject scriptures saying, well, you know, that was taught 5,000 years ago but it's not relevant today. It has no relevance today. But really, if you look at it, people are basically the same today as they were 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. People still had to eat. People would sleep. People had families. People, you know, they needed an economy. People were faced with disease and death. So in one sense, um, even though the, the infrastructure may have changed um, or you know, the, the, the process for acquiring an income may have changed, but really people are basically the same. And so in that sense, um, these teachings are just as relevant you know, uh, today as they were 5,000 years ago. Um, what's unique here is that we get to see in these scriptures um, how great uh, devotees, how people do, who had really given their entire, um, the, 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 their, the, the energy of their life, their entire lives for self-realization instead of sense gratification. Yes, there are many great material things that have been achieved. Um, but again, if it's only for sense gratification, if the, and those teachings are just directing us towards um, you know, creating an environment which is ideal for sense gratification, the problem is that it, it doesn't address the actual, you know, um, uh, uh, the serious difficulties of life such as birth, old age, disease, and death. A person can become an expert businessman, um, able to you know, amass huge fortunes of, uh, of huge fortune. But at the time of death, will that person be God conscious? Will that person be Krishna consciousness? They may not. So if a person dies in ignorance like a cat or a dog and has to take birth again in a lower species of life, what has that education actually you know, um, awarded them? 
but nothing more than uh, perpetuating one's uh, suffering, one's miseries within this material world. So here, um, you know, it's mentioned that um, after many hundreds of millions of years, one creation is started by the law of nature, and the history of the universe repeats itself practically in the same way. The mundane wranglers waste time with archaeological excavations without searching into the vital necessities of life. After getting an impetus in spiritual life, Sri Narada, even though a mere child, did not waste time for a single moment with economic development. Although he passed towns and villages, mines and industries, he continually went on to progress in spiritual emancipation. It was a very beautiful pastime of Srivas Thakur with Lord Chaitanya. And uh, as you might recall, Lord Chaitanya, um, he was performing kirtan in the home of Srivas Thakur and Srivas Angam. You can still see that house today in Mayapur. Um, so each night they would perform kirtan. So, Nard, so um, Lord Chaitanya once, he asked Srivas Thakur, you know, you're a married man with children. Huh. How can you support yourself just by chanting Hare Krishna, just by worshiping the deities, just by holding these kirtans every night? You know, uh, don't you feel like you should go out and hold down a job? And Srivas Thakur, he said, I am just being maintained by your mercy through this chanting of the holy names. He said, if I, um, he said, if the food doesn't come in one hour, It'll come in two hours. If it doesn't come in one day, it'll come the next day. If it doesn't come after three days, um, it'll come the fourth day. If it doesn't come after the fourth day, he said, I'll commit suicide, but I won't give up organizing your kirtans and chanting. And when Lord Chaitanya heard that, um, he said, even if the goddess of fortune has to go out into the street as a beggar to maintain herself, you, your family, and, your, and you, even your animals, will never know any type of difficulty or poverty. So, of course, I mean, this is an extraordinary devotee. He's an eternal associate of the Lord. It's not that, um, you know, it's a recommendation for everyone. But the point is that the Lord, He does maintain the devotees who surrender to Him. You see? Um, and that's the example that's being given here also. But, you see, the devotees understanding spiritual life, just like we never see somebody like Narda Muni becoming a king, right? We didn't see Jesus Christ become a king. We didn't see... Um, um, Muhammad become a king. We didn't see Buddha became a king. In fact, he was a prince and he gave it up. In fact, most of these great um, personalities, these great spiritualists, were kings, were very wealth from very wealthy families, and they gave that up. Why? Because they understood that there was a higher responsibility to help others to... Um, advance in spiritual life. They didn't take up the responsibility of kingship because they understood that (coughs) spreading Krishna consciousness was more important than administration. 
Did they reject these kings? No. Did they criticize these kings? No. They worked cooperatively, but they also understood that there was a higher responsibility in life to get out of this repetition of birth and death. So Narada Muni, um, he didn't waste a single moment once he realized this, even as a child, he spent all of his time practicing Krishna consciousness. And he went on, you know, in a progressive um, uh, uh, march for emancipation. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he said that spiritual life is a series of progressive adjustments. It's not that we just jump up to this platform, but we have to start to practice it. That's what sadhana bhakti means, regulated practice, where um, you know, we begin early in the morning with Mangalartik, we have Tulsi Puja, we chant our rounds, we read the Srimad Bhagavatam, we go about our day. And then in the evening, we again try to spiritualize our consciousness by reading or chanting with our families or spending some time here at the temple. Prabhupada, he... He recommended that because it allows us to continue to continue to progress in spiritual life, regardless of the situations um, in our profession or in our family or whatever may be going on in the world. And here, the Srimad Bhagavatam. <coughs> what's so unique about the scripture? is it is non-different than Krishna. Just like one of the senior devotees I used to work with, <coughs> she used to be here. Um, her name's Mother Shravaniya. She lives in Hong Kong now. She just wrote a book on yoga and Krishna consciousness. Um, and uh, she, she was part of this original Vaikuntha players, um, and they would do drama, and, um, and travel about at the temples, um, just like Prajapati Prabhu, or there were so many others. Um, Mother Rasigya was part of that team. Um, so um, the point that I wanted to make is that Mother, Ras, uh, Mother um, uh, Shravaniya, she sent, I, I had sent her a verse from the Bhagavatam from the 10th canto. Practically all the devotees know it, but it's that when one takes up the practice of Krishna consciousness, the ocean of material existence shrinks down to the water that's kept within the hoof print of a calf. And a devotee can easily go be, step over that and beyond that um, by the mercy of the Lord. So she was saying, God, I love this verse. And what I was thinking is that, see, that love for the Srimad Bhagavatam is actually love of God. That's actually love for Krishna. So we should always, you know, encourage one another and within our own hearts try to embrace um, whatever we can in our spiritual lives because it is... Those, those spiritual aspects of our life in Krishna consciousness are non-different than Krishna. The Srimad Bhagavatam is the repetition of history which happened some hundreds of millions of years ago 
and it is said herein only the most important factors of history are picked to be recorded in this transcendental literature. Um, <clears throat> just like, for example, um, it's stated that there are 8,400,000 species of life. So the Bhagavatam, it um, gives you a description of most of the major species of life. But even, for example, if you were just to talk about the 400,000 species of human life, well, the Bhagavatam is um, 18,000 shlokas. So even if one species was described in one verse, you'd need um, a series of books. Uh, this is 12 cantos with 18,000 verses. So let's just round it up to 20,000. So you need five times that to be 100,000, and then four times that, right? So you'd need 12, you'd need 60 cantos for 100,000, and then you'd need another uh, four. So you'd need um, 240,000 shlokas just to describe the 400,000 species of human life. So that's not humanly possible. Perhaps it's not even possible to read in a lifetime. So um, everything's been given according to its, um, you know, priority. Uh, the the Bhagavatam and the Vedic literature is written so beautifully, and. It focuses on the priorities um, of life that allow us to advance the most quickly to get, go back home, back to Godhead. So, um, what we read today here about Narada Muni departing um, from his home after his mother's death and taking the instruction of the Bhaktivedantas to heart and understanding that Spiritual life is the most important aspect of life. He traveled throughout the entire world um, to see and realize what he was studying and what he had um, imbibed through the disciplic succession. What's so beautiful about um, the disciplic succession is, yes, we have the uh, Bhagavatam, but we also have the, uh, the Bhagavat literature, but we also have the Bhagavat personalities. And what's unique about the Bhagavat personalities or the living devotee is they have taken this knowledge and they have realized it through their practice of it. So we get realized instruction, realized um, you know, guidance from the association of devotees, and that's very unique. Just like, you know, one might question, well, you know, what's the necessity of having a spiritual master? What's the necessity of associating with devotees? Um, the necessity is that they can um, make this, the, the transcendental experience of Krishna consciousness very easily accessible to us. There's a, there's a shloka, and I'll end here, um, See if I can remember it. It goes, how? Uh, ah, yeah, it goes, uh, Satam 
Satam prasanga mama virya. Oh, let me think. Satam prasangam mama virya samvidu bhavanti hrikarna rasanayana kata. Tajoshana dashvad pavagavartmani. Shradhavratir bhaktir anukramisati. So that's from the Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto, chapter 25, text 25. That's um, Lord Kapiladev speaking and instructing his mother, um, Devahuti. And he says in this verse that the um, powerful message of Godhead can be properly discussed only in a society of devotees. And it is greatly pleasing to hear in that association. If one hears from devotees, the way of transcendental experience quickly opens to him, and gradually he attains a taste in knowledge that in due course develops into attraction and devotion for Krishna. Okay, so thank you very much. I'm going to stop here. All glories to Srimad Bhagavatam. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.